your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 609 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today, I think we're all still feeling pretty good after that awesome Game 7 performance by the New York Rangers going on the road and dealing the Hurricanes their first loss of the postseason in their home arena, eliminating them and punching their ticket to the Eastern Conference Final, which will start on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. in Madison Square Garden against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. So I'm sure we're all still feeling good, still enjoying that win. Going to have, for today's episode, some final thoughts uh, from Game 7 against the Canes and just talk a little bit more about the Canes series in general. And we're also going to look ahead to the aforementioned Easter Conference Final and the collision with the Tampa Bay Lightning, once again, the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. Uh, like I said, there were a couple of other things that I wanted to talk about from Game 7. And it's funny because, you know, doing this daily podcast, I usually love the format. I, I like, you know, doing these short, quick episodes, 20 to 30 minutes every day. You get in, you talk some Ranger hockey, you don't overstay your welcome, you get out, and it's on to the next episode. But in the playoffs, I will say, it, it's tough to kind of constrain everything to just 30 minutes. There's so much going on in these playoff games, in these playoff series. There's so many different things that I want to talk about. And uh, with all that said, I probably shouldn't waste any more time explaining this to you guys. We should just jump right into it here. So one thing that I wanted to mention, it was actually the only goal that the Rangers scored in Game 7 that we didn't really break down in our last episode, uh, not including Andrew Kopp's uh, empty netter that sealed the win at the end there. But there was a goal by Ryan Strom that made it 3-0, big goal late in the second period, and wanted to talk a little bit about that. First of all, Strom, right before this, you know, the Rangers had a chance in deep. I believe it was Kopp who passed the puck to Strom. I don't know how this puck stayed out of the net. I don't know how Strom didn't capitalize on this opportunity here, but the shift continues. The Canes get the puck on the Rangers' side of the ice. You've got Jacob Truba and Andrew Kopp. They're in the corner fighting for the puck with the Canes. Rangers, as they did all night, strong job of winning this board battle here. They eventually work the puck behind the net to Keandre Miller. Miller gets it. Plays it up the boards around the other side to Artemi Panarin. Panarin backhands it into the neutral zone, and there's Ryan Strom. He collects it in stride right around the red line. He goes in, two-on-one break for the Rangers. Andrew Kopp is there to Strom's right, but Strom decides to just take the shot instead, and he scores. And again, this kind of goes back to that theme we've been talking about where the Rangers, sometimes you just got to pull the trigger. I realize, you know, Strom's a good passer, and Kopp's certainly plenty capable of finishing an opportunity like this, but... It was a two-on-one. The defenseman that was back was looking to take away the pass more so than the shot. And on top of that, there was another uh, Hurricane who was back-checking who might have been in position to make the play as well. So don't force the pass there. Just take the shot. You've got a, a good opportunity and a great shot by Ryan Strom here. And I tweeted out after this happened, the fact that Ryan Strom missed what appeared to be an easy tip-in goal 
and then scored a more difficult goal later in the same shift. I mean this in the nicest way possible. That is the most Ryan Strom thing ever. I realize, you know, there's certain Ranger fans that he kind of drives them nuts, but nice to see him, uh, you know, scoring a goal here, capitalizing on an opportunity, boosting the Ranger lead to 3-0, a big, big goal in this game. And like I said, Ryan Strom, one of several players for the Rangers, this saved his best game of the series for Game 7. You can certainly throw Artemi Panarin and definitely Chris Kreider into that category as well. And it's funny because... You know, ESPN, there's a lot that can be said about their coverage of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and not all of it is good. And one thing that I noticed here, they never showed a replay of Strom's initial opportunity on this play. And I can understand that to a certain extent because the goal just happened. You have to highlight that. But it would have been nice to get an extra look at this and see how close Strom came to scoring on the original one. That did not happen. It is what it is. The desperation of these ESPN announcers, some of them, to try to, once again, invalidate everything that the Rangers do. It's really something else. And this is another thing that I tweeted during the game last night. You know, if anybody wants a drinking game that'll just get you annihilated, just take a shot every time ESPN mentions the fact that Igor Shesterkin got pulled out of those two games, games three and four, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Actually, don't do that because I like you guys. I don't want to see anybody have to go to the hospital. Um, but another couple of things that I want to talk about as far as game seven is concerned Ryan Lindgren, guy is just tough as nails. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here. You guys are all very well aware of that, but I was tremendously impressed. You know, he was boarded on the one play, hit the boards really hard, really awkwardly, left the ice. He's been playing through a lower body injury for this entire postseason run, basically. You know, he missed a handful of games against Pittsburgh, came back in game five, and really helped turn the tide of that series, and he's been playing great hockey ever since. But this one, this is the one where I looked at it, and I saw Strom, or excuse me, Ryan Lindgren leaving the ice, and he's not putting any weight on his uh, left leg. And at that point, you know, I, I never bet against Ryan Lindgren. I should know better by now than to ever bet against Ryan Lindgren. But you're seeing him not put any weight on it, and it's like, okay, well, we might really have to try to figure out a way to win this game without him and just go with five D-men the rest of the way. But Lindgren, I mean, he missed, what was it, like five minutes? He was back on the bench, didn't miss another shift the rest of the way. So uh, Ryan Lindgren, tough as nails, continuing to play uh, through this lower body injury, and kudos to him. He's been just an absolutely huge part of the Rangers' success this season and also into the playoffs as well. There was also, uh, you know, the Rangers, they're, they're eight wins away now from winning the Stanley Cup, which even as you say that out loud, you kind of just shake your head and, wow, this is this is really crazy stuff. But it's funny because I was texting with a friend of mine. He's actually uh, just started listening to the podcast not too long ago, but I went to college with him. Uh, so shout out to Will, a.k.a. Cowboy, if he's listening right now. So quick story, he's a big Dallas Cowboys fan. I know, I know. We're not going to hold that against him too much, though. He's a good dude. Um, but it's funny because after this game ended, he texts me and he writes, only eight more wins. Seems so simple, doesn't it? And I just wrote back to him, piece of cake, man. Just go 8-0. and WTF is so hard about that. And uh, obviously, you know, I'm making light of the whole situation here. It, it, there's a long way to go for the Rangers. You're so close at this point when you're into the Eastern Conference Final, but you're also still so far away. And Steve Valaket, you know, he was on Twitter not too long after this game ended. He shared uh, similar thoughts, and he tweeted, you know, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have it in front of me here, but he tweeted something along the lines of, you know, the Rangers, it just hit me. If the Rangers go 8-6, and six, they are Stanley Cup champions. And you hear that, and it's like, geez, man, like, that's not anything that's impossible to do. But then again, you consider the fact that you're up against Tampa. If you somehow get through them, now you got to deal with either the Oilers or the Avalanche. It's not going to be easy. There is a long, long way to go here. But again, I'm just enjoying this ride. It's been a tremendous amount of fun uh, going through these playoff games with you guys and talking Ranger hockey and uh, just having an absolute blast. Like I said, one of my absolute favorite seasons 
uh, as far as being a Ranger fan is concerned. And this is one of my absolute favorite bunch of players that they've ever assembled. So, yeah, just awesome stuff all around. As far as, uh, you know, some other quick closing thoughts on Game 7, you know, I've seen uh, certain people suggesting that Gerard Gallant, you know, doesn't make adjustments. He uh, doesn't, he's getting out coached by either Mike Sullivan or Rod Brindamore. And, you know, I just don't really agree with that. Gallant isn't somebody that believes in matchups, I don't think, as much as some other coaches do. We could debate whether he should be more, you know, aware of certain matchups. And, you know, in the case of this series against the Canes, trying to get Mika Zibanejad away from the stall line because the stall line plays just such suffocating defense. Um, but he did something in this game that I really liked. So the Rangers were up two to nothing, and it's just a little thing. It's nothing that's like groundbreaking or crazy. But to me, this is somebody that is very well aware of what's happening and is ready to make an adjustment on the fly, which is something that, again, he has been criticized for not being able to do, at least by a certain amount of Ranger fans. But the Rangers are up two nothing. It's the first period. I feel like he was kind of smelling blood at this point. You're up two nothing in this game. It's a game seven. The next goal of this game going to be absolutely huge because either the Rangers go up by three goals or the Canes knock it down to just a one-goal lead for the Rangers. And I think Gallant was really uh, wanting to just kind of push the Rangers to get that third goal. The Rangers had a bunch of opportunities to make it 3-0 before they finally did on the aforementioned goal by Ryan Strom. But in the first period here, there was a shift where he actually bumped Artemi Panarin up to the top line with Mika Zibanejad and Frank Vitrano. And that was a very dangerous-looking shift for the Rangers. Like I said, a couple of chances. I think Panarin had one, Mika had one of you know, almost making the score three to nothing. Like I said, somebody, a coach here who could smell blood and was looking for not necessarily that knockout punch because it's the first period and there's a long way to go, but somebody that's looking for a really decisive blow there and uh, making the adjustment on the fly in order for the Rangers to, you know, hopefully get that. It didn't happen, but they came very, very close on that as well. And this didn't last for very long. It was back to the normal lines not too long after this, but for a shift or two, uh, Panarin was out there with the Mika line and Kreider was out there with the, uh, also with Strom and, and Kopp on the second line there. So I'm going to keep my eye on that going forward. It'll be interesting to see if it different points in this Lightning series. Gallant looks to super stack the top line and go with Panarin, Mika, and Vetrano, or Panarin, Mika, and Kreider, whatever it might be. I feel like that's a move that maybe he'll keep in his back pocket. I would imagine he'll stick with the same lines that have gotten him as far as these lines have, and we'll see a very similar uh, starting lineup for the Rangers game one in Madison Square Garden. The other thing that I love about this playoff series is the Rangers actually held their former New York Rangers in check. Tony D'Angelo, after having eight points in seven games against the Bruins, has just two points in this series. Jesper Foss, I mean, points aren't really his game, but no points for him. Antti Ranta was very, very good, but obviously the Rangers were able to defeat him. Uh, Brendan Smith, he had that shorthanded goal early in the series. Game two it was, I believe, and uh, you know that was obviously a huge play in that game, but otherwise... Brandon Smith, a fairly minimal impact on the series, and I think you could say the same thing for Brady Shea. There were a couple of goals that the Rangers scored uh, where, you know, they made moves around Brady Shea and, uh, you know, scored with him on the ice. So, yeah, great stuff all around for the New York Rangers. I think we can pretty much close the book on this wild seven-game series against the Carolina Hurricanes, and we're going to uh, continue talking about this Ranger team, why I think they're definitely still a threat, and also preview the upcoming Eastern Conference Final against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But first, I just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. We've been asking, and Built has delivered. Built Granola Bars are here. Built Granola Bars come in three unbelievable flavors. Chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Want to try all three flavors? You can get a mix box at Built.com right now. With 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar... 
Built Granola Bars will change your world. Built has cracked the code to better granola. They're the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch, take on the road, or eat as a snack. And they are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Go to Built.com right now to get Built Granola Bars. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, and we have an important favor to ask of all of you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and what you don't like about Locked On Podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey. Thanks for your help. All right, so we're eventually going to turn our attention to the Tampa Bay Lightning and just kind of see how the Rangers stack up against the two-time defending champs here. But first, I did want to just kind of talk a little bit about, once again, how the Rangers continue to get little to no respect among hockey fans, analysts, whatever it might be. You know, there's all these different metrics that people cite and all these different algorithms and what have you. And, you know, the Rangers are no good 5v5. There's no way that this is sustainable. They just rely on Igor Shesterkin. They're this, they're that, they're the other thing. The Rangers absolutely deserve to be here. They are 5-0 and in elimination games in this playoff run here. They are a team that just does not give up, does not go away, and a team that is proving to be wise beyond its years here. And there's a lot of just really cool examples of how much of a tight-knit bunch this team really is here. And for those of you that have played sports, you guys know how important this can be. You know, there might be people listening to this that are hockey players right now, you know, there could be some pro players, for all I know. There could be uh, some college hockey players or some high school players. Or there could be a different sport. Maybe you play football. Maybe you do gymnastics. Maybe swimming. I mean, maybe baseball. It could be literally anything. You guys know, anybody who's playing a sport right now or has played a sport in the past, how important team chemistry really is and how important it is to have you know every member of the team pulling in the same direction. And I think that's especially true of hockey. And certainly by the time you get into the Stanley Cup playoffs, that stuff counts. And, you know, metrics, algorithms, whatever you want to call it, next-gen stats, those things can't measure that. And when you watch this Ranger team, there's so many great examples of that. And I think a lot of times what happens is, you know, whether it's uh, just fans of a certain sport or analysts or podcasters or YouTubers or sports writers, whatever it might be, anybody who's involved in the wacky world of professional sports, I think a lot of times people, and these are people that played the game, they forget that all of these sports, and again, hockey more so maybe than any of them, these sports have a pulse. Not every single last thing can be thrown into some algorithm calculated by a computer. It's not uh, you know, a giant simulation out there. These are actual human beings playing this game. And again, a lot of you guys I'm sure have played sports or are playing sports right now, and you are very well aware of the fact that not everything can be measured by stats. And one thing that the Rangers really have going for them is, once again, it's an especially tight-knit bunch. You guys don't need me to tell you that. Just watch them. Watch them throughout the entire season, this entire playoff run here. Look at the way these guys pick each other up. There are examples like game one of this Kane series. It ends early in overtime. The Canes win that game because of a bad deflection that tipped off of Ryan Lindgren, went into the net. And what happens right after that? Igor Shesterkin gets up, 
taps Lindgren with his stick, tells him it's all good, don't worry about it, and the Rangers have a short memory, and they eventually work their way back into this series. Another example, how about Barclay Goodrow at the end of Game 7 last night, going up and down the bench, tapping everybody on the helmet. I mean, everybody on that bench was just so happy. You can tell how much it means to these guys to, to be playing for each other and, and having each other's backs and fighting through you know some adversity this postseason to come out with the victory when it's all said and done. And, uh, you know, speaking of Gaudreau, it's guys like him and Tyler Mott and Ryan Lindgren doing God knows what to beat their injury timetables and get back into the lineup and do everything they can to help this Ranger team advance to the next round. You know, all three of them, because... Gaudreau was not going to be back unless the Rangers made a deep run. Tyler Mott was not going to be back unless the Rangers made a deep run. And Ryan Lindgren, I still don't know exactly what's going on with him, but the fact that, again, he couldn't put any weight on his one leg and then was back out there five minutes later, I think that tells you everything you need to know about both the mental and physical toughness of Ryan Lindgren. Uh, but those are just some examples, some guys obviously, you know, playing through some pain to try to help the Rangers take this thing as far as they can possibly take it. It's also, you know, another example all that nonsense the Canes were pulling at the end of Game 3 with Max Domi basically attacking Lindgren with Tony D'Angelo chirping Gerard Gallant on the bench. It's Ryan Reeves. That's another example. Ryan Reeves going after D'Angelo and Domi in Game 4 after, once again, all that nonsense that they pulled in Game 3. These guys have each other's backs. How about another example here with Alexi Lafreniere? It's him looking out for Philip Hedl. There were a couple of times in this series that some of the players on the Canes kind of went after Hedl in the middle of a shift, and Lafreniere stepped in there both times to watch the back of his teammate there. You know, Hedl not known as the most uh, physical player in the league, and I don't know, maybe the Canes just thought that they could kind of punk him out, push him around a little bit. Lafreniere was having none of it in those situations. How about Jacob Truba? You know, basically being willing to play the villain in this playoff run for the Rangers and maybe take some of the heat off of, you know, some of the younger players on this team. And for the record, I still don't think that Jacob Truba has delivered a dirty hit this entire playoff run or this entire season. He whacks people. And again, he does kind of toe the line. I mentioned that in our most recent episode, but these hits are clean. It's shorter to chess every time. And you know what? Some players are going to take exception to that. But if players are going after Jacob Truba, He's an adult. He can stand up for himself. And again, that takes some of the heat off of maybe some of the younger players uh, that are out there playing in this series. You've also got, here's another example. How about Justin Braun switching from the right side uh, on the blue line to the left side for the first time in his career at the age of 35. He does it without any complaints or any issues whatsoever. It's at the point where we don't even need to talk about it anymore. It's been a seamless transition. Justin Braun switching sides on the blue line to accommodate 20-year-old Braden Schneider, the rookie. So that's awesome stuff too. How about Andrew Kopp? You know, this guy, he's out there with uh, Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom. They've both had their moments, Panarin and Strom, in the playoffs, but neither has been at the absolute best top of their game kind of stuff, and Andrew Kopp steps up, basically carries the second line while the two of them are faltering a little bit. Or how about Mika Zibanejad? We could turn our attention to the top line. It's Mika Zibanejad stepping up and carrying the top line when Kreider and Vetrano, maybe not necessarily at their best for the majority of this playoff run here. And obviously, you hope that a lot of these guys are coming out of their slumps. And like we mentioned, Panarin, Strom, and Kreider specifically, big-time performances in Game 7. But in the meantime, their linemates, despite not having a ton of help, Mika and, and Kopp, uh, carrying their respective lines pretty much on their back for certain chunks of this playoff run here. 
How about the kid line? You know, they stepped up big when the Rangers superstars were off to a really rough start against the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's another example there. And then it kind of reversed. You know, we got a little bit later into that Penguin series, and the kid line faded for a few games, and Mika and Kreider stepped back up, and they get it going toward the end of the Pittsburgh series, and they key the wins in game six and seven. And they're the big reason why the Rangers, uh, you know, end up winning that series and moving on to face the Canes. And the ultimate example is one that, you know, applies to the entire team, and it's a very easy example to point to. And once again, that is the fact that the Rangers are 5-0 and when facing elimination in these playoffs. And, you know, there's something that I'm almost hesitant to even bring this up, but I think I want to because there's an important point that I'm going to make here. So, you guys remember everything that happened at the end of last season between the Rangers and Capitals. You got Tom Wilson doing Tom Wilson things, and I do not mean that as a compliment, but the Rangers, you know, they go through that battle, uh, you know, him ragdolling Artemi Panarin and just a really dangerous situation. And then the Rangers and Caps play each other, I, I think two nights later, or might've even been the following night. I think it was two nights later, but bottom line, they go through that absolute battle. I mean, there's six or seven fights or whatever it was. It was just flat out nasty and, uh, you know, kind of a dangerous situation to be in really for players on both sides, uh, just absolute insanity. But there were so many people saying, because the Rangers were kind of in chaos after that whole thing happened. You know, Jeff Gorton and JD, they both get fired. And then, of course, David Quinn gets fired at the end of the season. And everybody's having a lot of fun at the Rangers' expense and saying, Tom Wilson broke the Rangers. Tom Wilson broke the Rangers. No, that Tom Wilson incident did not break the Rangers. It made the Rangers. And it goes back to what I was just talking about. This team is closer than it has ever been. You know, last season, I never got the sense that, like, you know, there, there were players on this team other than maybe Tony D'Angelo that didn't like each other or anything like that, or that there was any animosity or any tension in the room or anything like that. But you watch this team this year, it's a remarkably close bunch of players. And I think going through that entire incident with Tom Wilson, first of all, in the game where, you know, Wilson acted up and ragdolled Panarin, and then the entire game after that, where everybody's getting into fights and, you know, just again, a, a dangerous situation, very dangerous hockey game. I think that just drew this team that much closer together. When you go through some adversity like that and some uh, tumultuous times, I think that just pulls everybody that much closer together. And I think we're seeing the long-term benefits of that. These guys stick together through thick and thin. And again, that's why it is such a tight-knit bunch. And that's why this Rainier team has been able to go 5-0 and once again when facing elimination in the playoffs. We're going to turn our attention to the Tampa Bay Lightning, like I talked about, take a quick look at the Eastern Conference Finals, which are obviously uh, forthcoming here, and we will do all that in just a second. All right, so Rangers and Lightning for a chance to go to the Stanley Cup Final, and we're going to take a quick look at this series and just kind of see what the Rangers are in for here, going up against a team that, you know, obviously has visions of a dynasty in their head, and just hopefully uh, the Rangers can obviously throw a monkey wrench into those plans. But uh, you look at what happened in the regular season, Three matchups between these two teams, and the Rangers won all three of them, which is nice. I, I would stop short of saying that it's any kind of a guarantee that the Rangers are going to win this series. I think you guys remember a couple of years ago, and granted, the Rangers two years ago were nowhere near the team uh, then that they are now, but if you remember, the Rangers were going into the qualifying round against the Canes. The Rangers had beaten them in all four regular season matchups and got swept out of the playoffs by the Canes that season. Uh, so there's no guarantees just because you had success in the regular season that it will carry over into the playoffs as well, but certainly it can't hurt. Uh, the Rangers and Lightning first played each other actually on New Year's Eve in Tampa Bay. You had the Rangers winning 
four to three in a shootout. Nobody could score in the shootout until the uh, bottom of the third, quote unquote. Mika Zibanejad scored to win the game for the Rangers. Barclay Goodrow also had two goals in that game. Alexi Lafreniere had a goal, so uh, a solid night for the Rangers. They did get off the lead kind of late. Corey Perry scored, which is a minute and 57 seconds left to force it into overtime. It eventually goes into the shootout, and as we just mentioned, the Rangers ended up winning that game. You also had. January 2nd, just two days later, the Rangers basically just cruising to a 4-0 win. Mika Zibanejad with a hat trick. Ryan Strom also scores a goal. You've got Chris Kreider with three assists. Adam Fox with two assists, so the Stars were definitely out for the New York Rangers in that game. And speaking of the Stars being out, you had Igor Shesterkin pitching a 38-save shutout in that game. And uh, obviously the Rangers just taking care of business and cruising to a win in that one. And then... In the third and final meeting, you've got Mika Zibanejad with one of the most dramatic New York Ranger goals of the season. Rangers and Lightning tied 1-1 late in the third period. You had a first period goal from Braden Point, a second period goal from Jacob Trouba that tied it. And then with 16 seconds remaining, Rangers on the power play. Fox to Panarin to Mika Zibanejad for the game-winning goal once again with just 16 seconds remaining in that game. So the Rangers get a dramatic uh, three-game sweep of the Lightning and did it in vastly different ways. You win in a shootout, you win a blowout game, and you win uh, by scoring the game-winning goal with just 16 seconds remaining. As far as the matchups go, I mean, again, with the Lightning, there's just not really that much that's going to surprise you when you look at where they stack up, you know, as far as rankings in the NHL for the regular season. And obviously, special teams are going to continue to be a huge part of who wins in this series, as it was for the Rangers in each of the two preceding series. The Lightning in the regular season have converted on 23.9% of their power play opportunities. That is good for number eight in the league. And just for some reference, of course, the Rangers finished number four in the power play in the regular season, 25.2%. And then both teams obviously very strong on the penalty kill as well. The Rangers were number seven killing off 82.3% of the man advantages that they were opposed by, and the Tampa Bay Lightning 11th in the league in that department at 80.6%. So the Rangers had the edge in both power play and penalty kill in the regular season. And as for the playoffs, the Ranger power play continues to be just absolutely lethal, even more efficient in the playoffs than it was in the regular season. The Rangers have converted on 32.5% of their power play opportunities, this despite going up against the Carolina Hurricanes for seven games, a team that uh, had just an incredible penalty kill in the regular season. The Rangers are second in the league in the power play, in the playoffs, only to the Colorado Avalanche. And as for the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're actually just number eight. 22.9% success rate in the playoffs, which is uh, a little bit surprising, especially when you consider uh, just how much firepower that they have. But then you look at the penalty kill, Tama Bay off to a really nice start in the penalty kill. In the playoffs, they are number three in the league at 87.8%. I say in the league, I mean, you know, of the teams playing in the playoff tournament, obviously. The Rangers, number eight, they have killed off 80.5% of the opposing team's power plays. And so the Ranger PK is really going to have to step up. Obviously, we know how dangerous the Lightning are, how many different players are threats when it comes to just simply putting the puck in the net. So the Ranger PK is going to have to step up big in this one. The Rangers in general just going to have to be outstanding when it comes to special teams units. And then as for faceoffs, you guys know I'm big on the uh, faceoff stat in the regular season. The Rangers were number 24 in the league with a success rate of just 48.1%. The Lightning were a good faceoff team. They won 50.1% of their draws. That's good for 15th in the league. But 
They're not quite as good as either the Penguins or the Carolina Hurricanes, and so that's nice. You know, maybe the Rangers can actually uh, have a playoff game here where they win more than half of the face-offs. Crazier things have definitely happened, and, uh, you know, obviously that's one thing that has been a weakness for the Rangers, but the good news here is that they're not going up against a team that's particularly dominant when it comes to winning face-offs. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention the Igor Shosturkin versus Andre Vasilevsky matchup that is forthcoming here. I think it's absolutely great for the NHL. You've got the two best goalies in the world playing each other in one conference final and also the two best skaters in the world, Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid playing each other in the other conference final. But as far as this goalie matchup is concerned, Igor had the better numbers this season. Is he the better goalie? I'm not going to go that far just yet. You know, Vasilevsky does have two cups to his name. He's been just absolutely sensational in the playoffs the last few years, shutout after shutout after shutout, and every single time that the Lightning lose a game, it feels like, you know, he's right back in there, standing on his head the next game, making sure that they get the win. So it's going to be a battle, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of the 2014 Stanley Cup final matchup, because of course, that was prime Henrik Lundqvist, and we were so used to the Rangers always having the edge when it came to the goalie position, and that was the one time in the Henrik Lundqvist era where, you know, the Rangers were playing an opponent where, wow, their goalie's just as good as our goalie, because they had Jonathan Quick, who was also in his prime. And I'm getting similar vibes here too. You've got two outstanding young goalies here, probably the two best in the league, definitely the two best in the league. Let's just be honest. And, uh, could be a little bit of a push going into the series. It's just going to come down to which one can stand on his head a little bit better than the other one. I mean, that really is, uh, the long and short of it here. They're both, you know, the absolute best at what they do. And it's just going to come down to who can be at their absolute best a little bit more consistently than the other one. And then as far as players who are having a strong postseason for the Lightning, it's pretty much all the usual suspects. You've got Nikita Kucherov. He's got four goals and 11 assists in the 11 Tampa Bay playoff games thus far. And then you've got after him, Victor Hedman. He's got two goals and eight assists in those 11 games. And then three players tied with eight points apiece for the Tampa Bay Lightning. That would be Ross Colton, Andrej Palat, and Steven Stamkos. I will say, though, the guy on the Tampa Bay Lightning that just terrifies me, more so than any of the players that I just mentioned, is Braden Point. I just feel like that guy is so clutch. Every time he's got the puck on his stick, you feel like he's a threat to score or set up one of his teammates. Uh, just an absolutely fantastic player. I've been saying for years he's the best player on the Lightning. I know a lot of people are going to say that's crazy. You know, there's Stamkos, there's Hedman, there's Kucherov. I mean, I wouldn't even include Vasilevsky because that's kind of apples and oranges comparing skaters to goalies. But yeah, I mean, Braden Point, he's somebody to definitely watch out for in this series and somebody that the Rangers are going to have to contain if they hope to uh, go to the Stanley Cup final. And then just one other quick point that I wanted to make about this series before we call it a day here is, and this will just give you an idea of how crazy the Stanley Cup playoffs really are. Either or both of these teams so, so easily could have been eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. If you're a Ranger fan, you probably know everything that happened by now, going down three games to one to the Pittsburgh Penguins, falling behind by multiple goals in games five and six, falling behind in game seven, having to win game seven in overtime. Very, very easily could have uh, had the Rangers be eliminated before they even really got this playoff run off the ground. And Tampa Bay, they were in an absolute dogfight with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round of the postseason. They were down three games to two, game six, was in Tampa Bay, but they were trailing in that game too. They had to tie the game in the third period to send it to overtime, and it's sudden death. If the Maple Leafs would have been able to score a goal there, Tampa would have been done. That would have been it for Tampa Bay, and the Rangers would be playing somebody else, either Florida or Toronto. We'll never know what would have happened now, but uh, Tampa got through that okay as well, and then they swept the Florida Panthers right out of the playoffs. So it's just crazy to think, you know, how 
fine the line is between elimination and a potential march to the Stanley Cup. Just crazy stuff. And uh, we're definitely going to be teaming up with Adam Denker from Locked on Tampa Bay Lightning in due time here. I think we're going to shoot to do a post-game episode after game one. Definitely looking forward to that. Definitely looking forward to talking some hockey with Adam. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we're going to talk about whatever happens between the Rangers and Lightning in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Final. Now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.